Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Helen and I'm Sarah, and you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk about the ups, downs, ins and outs of work and give you some squiggly support, some ideas for action and some tools to try out so that you've got a little bit more confidence, clarity and control over your career. And all of our episodes are supported with some resources to help you make your listening turn into some learning. So we've got things like our pod sheets, they're one page downloadable summaries, which have the key kind of quotes and ideas so you can reflect on it. You can maybe talk about it in your team. We've also got pod notes. We put those on social. They're like swipeable summaries. We've got pod mail that pulls it all together. So you don't have to search for it. And we've also got pod plus, which is a weekly conversation with the squiggly careers community. So there's quite a lot that goes around this episode. If you want to do more than listen, if you don't, all good, but you can find all the links for the things that I just mentioned in the show notes. And if you ever can't find it, just email us. Lots of people do every week. <laughs> Lots of people do. We're just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. So this week we're talking about learning agility and I think it's fair to say our preparation for these podcasts does vary. Sometimes a 15 minute chat and we get started. Sometimes as we've had today we have been chatting for at least an hour and a quarter on this topic partly because I think it's a really important one to make sure that we are clear and we can be as useful as we can And because it's one where we really wanted to make sure that you could take some action because this potentially falls into that territory of we hear companies talk about it. There are lots of reports about it. So we really want to make this kind of practically helpful for you and your squiggly career. But just a press pause on feedback for you, Sarah. I know you love it when I give you live feedback on a podcast episode that you do not know what's coming. (laughs) Especially when we've already been chatting for an hour and a quarter. (laughs) I left this one in just for now. So Sarah has prepped loads for this and read lots and got really into it. However, responded very openly to many of my questions and like, oh, I'm not sure on this, but what about this? And how does that come? At no point were you like, Helen... I've read for five hours on this. Just let's just say this thing. So you are always, it sort of doesn't matter how much you absorb, you are always open to other people's opinions. That's my feedback for you. Oh, that's very kind. I think it's reassuring. I always think we are better because we spend time on these topics together. And I think that's always what I have in the back of my mind. And also with enough practice, I think you really learn to let go. I think that's what's happened. You think you've ground me down over the last couple of years. Amazing. I mean, is that the feedback I wanted to hear tonight? I don't know. Maybe that's slightly different feedback, isn't it? You've ground me down. I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) So this is one where I think we have got to start with what is learning agility, because Helen and I have talked about it a bit. And it 
is actually quite a specific capability that you're trying to develop. So we want to make sure that everybody's really clear about it. So we've got our definition, which we like and is obviously quite simple and short, like all of our stuff. And then we've got a couple of longer ones from a couple of other people. So you can sort of get a feel for it and maybe see which one also works for you because we all like different framing. So our definition of learning agility is learning from experiences so you know what to do when you've not done it before. And that newness is important and we'll come back to that. And just a couple of others, one from Corn Ferry, which I also like, maybe a little long for my liking, but I do think it does a good job of describing what we're trying to achieve, which is learning agility is the willingness and ability to learn from experience and then apply those lessons to succeed in new situations. Also pretty good. I got a good feel for it there. And then there's one from the Center for Creative Leadership, which is learning agility is about knowing how to learn, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. It's about learning from experience and applying it in new ways, adapting to new circumstances and opportunities. So I think they're all pretty good. I think they all give you a feel and a flavor for what it is. And now we're going to talk a little bit about why does it matter? Intuitively, we get this is sort of important, but why specifically? And then we're going to spend a lot of time on the how, like, okay, well, how do I get this kind of magical learning agility that feels so important? So there was a lot in common in the definitions that Sarah just shared with sort of new situations, taking learning from experiences and applying them to these new situations where you don't really know what to do. And the reason that learning agility matters is because squiggly careers are full of newness and that newness can sometimes feel a bit difficult and daunting, but it can also unlock lots of opportunities for you. So if you've developed this learning agility, not only can you go into those new situations and be a bit more confident, which will help you succeed, you can also create more opportunities from them as well. And that's where you get into some very specific benefits. So you can explore your potential because you're not fixed to what you're doing now you can go into those new situations as we said with confidence and do different things and stretch yourself in different directions that will be a big enabler of your success and if you're also thinking so what else is in it for me in terms of learning agility I think the more agility you have the more you'll be able to explore your potential because often we find hidden potential or potential we perhaps didn't know we had when we do new things and that's a big part of agility And I think it helps to pull options, possibilities and opportunities our way. So when new projects, new roles, new skills, new organisations happen, and we're seeing lots of that all of the time now, we're all getting really used to that. Actually, we're putting ourselves in a really good position to make the most of those, to do things that could feel really intriguing and really exciting. So you do start to understand why this feels so important for us as individuals. And you can start to see why organisations really want their people to have learning agility too. So we really want to help you to develop this really important squiggly skill. And the way that we're going to do it is by talking through a learning agility assessment. So there are three areas that we think make up learning agility from all the reading that Sarah's done and all the discussion that we've had on this today. The three areas are your ability to navigate newness, your ability to understand others and your ability to know yourself. And for the assessment, we're going to go through each of those areas and share three coach yourself questions so that you can reflect on and think, well, how good am I at this area in response to those? And then we're going to give you an easy and a hard idea for action to try out for them so you can improve the areas. And we would suggest for each of these areas, giving yourself a score out of 10 so you can see 
know, where you're currently doing really well and maybe where you want to focus a bit more. And because we love exposing our vulnerable selves to you on the podcast, we're going to live rate <laughs> ourselves on each of these areas. So like rate and debate, no doubt. I'll be like, I am 10 out of 10. And so I'll be like, no, you are not. <laughs> so we're going to rate and debate for the benefit of your learning, everybody. And also, I didn't know we were debating. I just thought I was rating. But <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, you wait. <laughs> rate, debate and wait for the implications. So you can basically see how it works in practice and then you can give it a go yourself after today. So this first area is about navigating newness. So when you have learning agility, you are very good at coping with complexity. And the way that I understand complexity is that you're in a situation where you can't just apply what you've done before. You know the whole, what got me here won't get me there because there's, maybe there's new stakeholders, maybe it's a different kind of project, maybe the environment has changed. Basically, it often feels like quite messy. You know, there's like a lot to get your head around and added to that, you're doing it for the first time. This is why we've called it kind of navigating newness. There is nothing that you could look back on from your squiggly career so far where you go, this is this situation. This is pretty much the same as that other situation I had three months ago. So do you know what? I can sort of do something quite similar. It's sort of the opposite of that. And we just know that in squiggly careers, there is lots more navigating newness. So you already have, I'm sure, lots of examples of where you're doing this. But three coach yourself questions to get you started. One, what examples do you have of working on projects or tasks where you're starting from scratch? Two, how do you respond when priorities and plans change without warning? And three, when and where are you working on something that sits in your courage zone? And when we talk about learning zones, we say comfort, challenge and courage. And the way we describe courage is it's usually something you've not done before and typically added to that where you know, it feels nerve wracking. You're perhaps having to take a deep breath. There is definitely a kind of level of adrenaline, I think, associated with that courage zone. So, Helen, where are you going with your score? <laughs> Navigating newness out of 10. Oh, it's really hard to assess this. So I think I'm going to go for a very solid six. My reasoning is I've got loads of examples of working on projects and tasks from scratch. So that gets a good three and a bit. How do I respond when priorities and plans change? Yeah, sometimes I get a bit frustrated because I'm like, but I just want to get it done. You know, like my doneness gets in the way that one. Mm -hmm. And then when are you working on something that sits in your courage zone? I think I have quite a large comfort zone. But, you know, because we run this business and we have to do so many things that we haven't done before and we've been doing for quite a long time, lots of things we haven't done before. I think my comfort zone is actually quite big. So when do I do something that is, you know, pretty difficult and I don't know if it's doable? Not that often now because of the way that we work. So I've probably got to work a bit harder to find some of that, like, courage zone stuff. So I'm going to give a very solid six. What about you? I went six too. We hardly ever have the same I think answers. you're higher. You're really well, good at responding when priorities and plans change. You're really good. You're way better yes, at but me. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate plans changing. I like, love being in control. We all know this. I think I'm naturally a six, but I think I work hard to maybe be a seven or an eight. Perhaps that's more reflective. So as you said, the first one, all day, every day, I love working on stuff from scratch. I would spend all my time starting from scratch. So I think that's one of the things that, really increases my learning agility that I lots of my strengths really kind of match that as a skill I think because I know that I like to plan and I love looking forward and I like being strategic I think I have got a lot better at responding when things change without warning so I think that's maybe like nudged up my score and I think the same with you with courage zone I think it actually made me stop and reflect that you know you definitely have to create space 
to sit in your courage zone. And we always say when we're doing workshops, this doesn't happen by accident. You can't wait for this and hope someone else is going to sort it for you. You have to think and identify, well, what would our courage zones look like now? And what would it take to make that happen? And almost like take a bit of accountability for that. And listening to you, I had exactly the same reflection. I was like, well, I need to sort this. I like need to make this happen for myself because otherwise you're in danger of kind of lots of continual improvement, like learning fast and frequently from what you do every day and probably getting that bit better at it all the time, which I think we're very good at. But this is something different again, mm. isn't it? And I think you do have to think, what would it take to do something that feels courage zony for you? So we've got two ideas for action here, the easy one and the hard one. So maybe I'll talk through the easy one and then I'll give you the hard one, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> no problem. So the easy action to do is to pick up someone's work while they're away. So the reason this is easy is because people go away all the time. But also it's for quite a finite period of time. So let's say Sarah's going on holiday for a week during half term. And I might say, oh, that project that you've been working on, on some brand stuff, I'll take the lead on that while you're away. And I might have to have some conversations that are different to my normal ones. I might have to use some technology that I'm not that familiar with. I might have to work with somebody who I'm not that close to ordinarily. And so there's quite a lot for me to navigate in that sort of the people, the projects, the tools that we're using to do it. And it's quite accelerated learning, but also it's not that high pressure because it's probably for quite a short period of time. So it's quite an easy one just to sort of start spotting those opportunities for when you could move into a different way of working when someone's sort of moving on to a holiday. I think particularly spotting, picking up someone's work where you don't know how to do what they do. I think that's what I found a couple of times, like with Amazing If, maybe covering someone's role or like getting involved in something where I think, oh, I very rarely get close to this. And then that's where you're really navigating that newness. So, you know, don't pick up the person who doing the job that you used to do or who you're really close to it's much more accelerating for your agility if you're picking up the work of someone who is quite far away from your day-to-day and you don't have to pick up their entire job it could be a project they're working on and I think also just watch out for assuming that has to be someone more senior I often think we think about you know someone more senior deputizing to you but actually this could be a project a colleague's working on that you've sort of been a bit intrigued by and it could be a really good opportunity for you to get involved And so the hard action is to say yes to an experiment that makes you uncomfortable because of either time pressure or people pressure or both. So this is where you can spot. So, you know, we know with experiments, they're often, you know, you've got a hypothesis. You don't know if something's going to work or not. That's the nature of an experiment. So you're definitely navigating newness. And there's this extra level of courage zoneness, I think, that we're adding in here because of either going okay, we're going to do this fast, you know, faster than perhaps you feel comfortable with. And maybe it's also the people involved that could be just because you've not worked with them before, or maybe it's very high profile and you're experimenting in kind of quite a high profile way. And our sort of top tip here, because we've both seen this work really well. And actually, I think we are both good at this. This is one of the things that we should give ourselves credit for, but it can be useful to signal to other people. Well, this does feel uncomfortable but I think we should give it a go you're not trying to do a caveat here but I think you are basically saying well you know hey let's label this as an experiment you're sort of reminding yourself okay I'm going to be navigating a lot of newness here so what does that mean like maybe I need to ask more questions maybe I need to share it much faster than I would do normally maybe I need to really think about well when is good enough great all of those kind of things that we perhaps talked about before on the podcast and when we talked about experimenting but just think about like when could you say yes when you're perhaps just thinking 
or maybe we should wait until, or I'm not sure right now. So basically you're putting yourself under some quite intentional pressure, but to sort of increase that agility. Makes me think a little bit about the stuff around kind of managing your emotions, which is that it's easier to manage your emotions if you name them. So if you say, I'm navigating a lot of newness at the moment, this feels a bit strange, uncomfortable and different. Even just the act of being able to sort of say that to yourself or write it down, however you find that useful, will give you a little bit more control rather than this sort of stuff going round and round your head. That could be kind of a useful thing as well. Area number two is about your ability to understand others. And three coach yourself questions to reflect on are one, who are you spending time with who has very different experiences to you? Two, how do you spend time in other people's shoes? It's a really important way in terms of building empathy and understanding lots of different things about the people we work with. They might not always say to us directly. And number three, who, what and where are you borrowing brilliance from? This is about continually staying curious. Sarah, I get to go to you first now. What is your score on these areas? Oh, I don't know. I think I got a bit high and now I'm like really <laughs> trying to think about it. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm a bit lower than I think. I think maybe five, which is lower than originally I imagined when I was preparing for having the conversation. And partly because if I think about my average week, I don't have that many conversations with people in general. When we are doing big career development programs, it's not that you're having a conversation, you're delivering some learning and you're all learning together. But I don't get to ask those people lots about themselves or understand their worlds that well because they're sort of quite intense development experiences. And then I spend a lot of time with our amazing IF team. But sort of beyond that, and also as an introvert, I'm sometimes kind of guilty of, you know, that's not something that naturally I seek out. So there I go, well, if I'm doing that, I'm not spending that much time in other people's shoes and maybe not spending time with people who've got very different experiences to me because, yes, you could argue, well, 200 people today might have had different experiences to me, but I still think you've got to be like learning from those experiences. I have done one thing recently where I've said yes to getting back involved in a mentoring thing, almost very specifically to think, oh, I'll get to spend some time with some different people. And you always learn as much from your mentees as you do from your mentor, selfishly. So I was like, oh, okay, I've tried to add a bit of difference in there. They're not super different. I am good at three. I am good at being curious. So the who, what, and where you're borrowing brilliance from, I think is a sort of natural strength, natural inclination. But I think there's only one there that I feel good about my score on. Interesting. Don't like being low scored. <laughs> so based on the answers to the questions, I would give myself a five. But knowing you, I think you're better at this than me. I do spend time with quite a few communities. That's what's pushing me up a little bit. You know, if I think about some of the communities that I'm part of, there are lots of mm. people that are different in backgrounds, different in experiences. I never know where those conversations are going to go. Like I'm always intrigued by like what they're involved in, what they're up to. There's a rhythm to those communities, which means that I'm regularly spending time with those people. So that gives me higher scores on the who you're spending time with. You know, I practically sort of borrow brilliance from them. I'm like, what are you doing? But you do that better than me. I'm going to give myself a five. I don't think I spend a lot of time in other people's shoes. I think you're excellent. Mm. You're so good at that because you take time. But based on these questions, I'm giving myself a five. But my intuition says that you are better at this than you are mm. maybe scoring yourself. <laughs> Oh, it's like fascinating, isn't it? Going through all the scores. Right, ideas for action. Easy action, hard action. Easy action, your listen-talk ratio. I love this action because I think it's really revealing and most of us are not as good at listening as we would like to be. The idea here is that 
you could do it for a day, for a week or a specific meeting. Write down what you want your listen talk ratio to be. And if you are really trying to spend time in other people's shoes, learning from people with different experiences, borrowing lots of brilliance, you have got to do lots of listening. Because when you are talking, you're probably not learning, you're telling someone stuff you already know. So you really want that listen ratio to be high. So you might say, okay, so in this conversation with this person, I want my listening ratio to be 70%. I only want to be talking for 30% of the time. Then the way that I do this is then straight after that moment, I will then just reflect back on that conversation and think, was it a 70-30 ratio? Or did I talk a bit too much because I got a bit nervous at the start of the conversation? Did I end up dominating without realising? I don't think I am that good at listening sometimes. So particularly when I don't know people that well, I find it worse. The more relaxed and comfortable I am, the better I am at listening. But interestingly, if you start to kind of apply this, like listening slash learning agility, likelihood is with learning agility, you're obviously in lots of new situations. So they will be new people. You start to connect the dots here between going, well, if I want to increase my learning agility, my listening is going to be critical to that. And sort of knowing that's something I find hard in new situations, that feels like a really important skill for me. So it's a super simple thing to do. It's just a sort of compare and contrast. Where do I want to be? Where was I? What do I do next time? Even by consciously thinking about it, you will just increase your listening. Then you'll probably realize you're not as good as you'd like to be. And then you just get a bit better the next time. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One thing, if you want like a low risk way of like training your listening, I find this really useful. Like take our podcast or another podcast, doesn't have to be ours, and listen to it and make notes and then turn those notes into something that's useful to someone in your team. I mean, we've tried to do that with Podsheet, but I'm trying to do it to help you with your listening. The reason is like I did this last week for the podcast that came out. I created the Podsheet. I sat there and listened to it, but I listened in a very different way. I think there is the quality of your listening is very different when you are listening to something with the intent to capture and share it with other people versus I'm just kind of casually listening. And I think if you can train your brain to listen with that level of intent, then 
it's really helpful in conversations. Like if I can do that on my own listen to a podcast, I know I can do it with Sarah in a room. And it's just, you know, all these kind of training things. You don't have to do it like in a meeting where there's quite a lot of like pressure on situation. You can do some of it at home too. I think you've got loads better at listening, by the way. And I watch you. I know when you're really listening, like when you're talking to other people, less with me, it's a bit different with me. But when I see you spending time with the team and I'm there too, I almost, and maybe just because we know each other so well, I think I can see your brain thinking, but you're very consciously going, I'm going to let this person finish. I don't want to interrupt their flow. You even said that to somebody today in a meeting that we were in. You were like, you didn't want to interrupt someone's flow. So I watch you really give people the space to share. And every time I do it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good. I should do a bit more of that. Oh, thank you. I think I'm always just thinking, what have I got of value to add? You know, like, you know, to Jimmy, like, I can't, I'm no point repeating what someone's saying, but like, I need to add something that is useful like, to this. Yeah, which uh, you always so, do. Thank you. So the hard action then for this one is squiggly shadowing. And this is where you're going to spend time with somebody who is sort of doing something different that you are intrigued by. That might be their role as a full stop. You might be thinking, oh, I've no idea what that role is all about. Or it might be a project which you, you kind of heard of on the work grapevine and you'd like to get a bit closer to. I sometimes think shadowing can sound a bit daunting. Like if someone said to me, oh, Helen, can I shadow you for a day? I'd be like, well, most of it's sat at my desk, like going through my to-do list, my inbox and my meeting. So <laughs> fun times. Oh, I yeah. do want to sit through that. So I think you might not want to frame it as like a day. You might want to say, I'd love to learn a bit more about what you do there's a particular project I'm interested in is there a way I could spend some time with you when you're working on that project so I can understand a bit more you might want to frame it a bit more tightly than can I just sort of stalk you for a day it's not squiggly stalking it's sort of shadowing so that's maybe meetings and moments might be a way of framing it but I think you've got to have the confidence to ask and the clarity. If you can do that, that's why it's a hard action. Because I think you've got to think this through before you just make the ask. It does help you to understand what another person does and how they do it and who they do it with in a more sort of deep way than just having a discussion with them about it because you're sort of experiencing it firsthand. And so our final area is about knowing yourself. So three coach yourself questions here. One, what are your three super strengths, the things that give you energy and that make you distinct and different? Two, how are you making sure that your strengths intent matches your impact? And number three, what gaps have you got that could hold you back? So Helen, yeah, should I do my score first? Woohoo! Gave myself a nine. She's gone big, she's gone big. <laughs> so until this point, you were like, oh, you've been really hard on yourself. And now you're just like, uh, back the ego down a bit, Sarah. <laughs> But I also thought, crikey, if we don't score well on this one, like, what are we doing? We're not doing a good job. But I feel like this is like totally our, this is our thing. This is us at our best. And I think when I reflected on strengths, I can really see how knowing that I didn't have to be good at everything, that I could just be really good at a few things, really transformed my career at a certain point, probably 10 years or so now. And so I think I spent a lot of time thinking about my strengths because I am definitely not good at everything. But I am really good at a couple of things. <laughs> but like you definitely have way more range than I do. But there are moments. Many moments. Where I, I do add value. And I'm almost quite specific about those moments. Uh, I think I could probably do a bit more. This is my one point that I've not given myself. <laughs> I could probably ask for a bit more feedback. But I do know that my strengths, I think I have such clarity. I think they do shine through. Because even when people write me LinkedIn recommendations, it feels very like me. It's been quite consistent for a while. I am a critical thinker and that applies to both myself and everything. I've always got that sense of the gaps that I've got. And I think I do have a sort of relentless 
pursuit of always wanting to be better. And that makes me very aware of my gaps. And also this year, one of the things I'm quite proud of is I'm trying to take more accountability for some of the gaps that I've got rather than, you know, sometimes you have that thing of like, oh, you either just sort of leave it or you hope that somebody else is going to do it or fix it. And actually, if it's a gap that I do genuinely think is getting in my way, I'm like, well, that has to start with me. And there are some that I think I'd sort of distance myself from a little bit too much. So I also feel quite proud of my progress in terms of gaps. So I'm going for a nine. <laughs> I like your nine. I like your nine. I agree we should like... What are you going for? I'm going for an eight... Because I know what my super strengths are, and we get so much feedback. Like, we give it to the feedback. We've done that unintentionally today. We're like, there's so much feedback that flies around our work and our teams. I feel that we get that a lot. The gaps that you've got that could hold you back, I kind of think, mm, actually, it's a really good question I'd like to reflect on. Because I feel like, oh, surely to be able to answer that question, I would like to go, oh, this is where I see the direction of my development, like really explicitly. And then almost answer, well, how are those gaps going to get in the way? And I don't think I've sat down and done that. I kind of know, I know kind of a purpose, but I don't Just think I've feedback. got... Now I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my... But that was actually my second one. I wonder, that's actually quite a nice question to ask the team. Like, what gaps do you think I've got that could hold me back from where I want to go? I might need to give the team a bit of a frame. Where do you want to go? Where do yeah, I want yeah. to go? Like, you know, that really clearly communicate that to them. This is where I want to go what gaps I got that you think might get in the way, that would be a really interesting question to ask. I might frame that to the team. Heads up, team, if you're listening, question coming your way. <laughs> and that links really nicely into our easy action for knowing yourself, which is to get some strengths-based feedback. Now, you don't have to frame it quite as I've just said it. It could be as simple as asking three people at work, when do you see me at my best? What strengths do you see in me? Either of those ones work, but what that does give the opportunity to do is compare their answers with your intent, those three super strengths that you've stated. That's the kind of real win-win there is being able to look at what's the difference between my intent and my impact, and you get the impact from the feedback. And our hard action, which is where I think this gets interesting, is about new situation self-awareness. So you could answer some of those questions that we've just talked through and just apply it to where you are today but that doesn't really accelerate your agility because we need to then apply it to new situations to all that complexity the change the experimenting and so next time you're doing something for the first time look for the learning fast because it is so much easier to do it that way if you wait you'll forget and if you can write it down because we absorb more in the moment when we do that so try and capture like what worked well even better if and we actually had an example of this last week where Helen had a tough time, I think it's fair to say. Lots of things went wrong, all sort of at the same time, things that we hadn't anticipated, things that we hadn't experienced before. And that definitely took a lot of learning agility to kind of find our way through that. And we were reflecting on, well, what helped us? And it was the speed. It was making sure that we were sort of writing as we were going. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So we didn't lose that learning, but also that we did it together. 
because I think what you're ultimately trying to get to here, this is what Helen and I's sort of final idea ended up becoming, which is quite a big idea, is you want to create your own learning agility playbook. So yes, you can't find a formula for new situations and things that are complex, but I think what you can start to do here is go, okay, so when I need learning agility, how might I apply my strengths? What gaps have I got in those moments? What are the things that I know I'm not quite so good at? You know, the things that we've been talking about as we've gone through today, maybe you're great at responding when plans change. So you sort of go, right, I know I've got that on my side in terms of learning agility, but actually I don't do many projects where I start from scratch. So, okay, that's something I need to think about. And maybe your strengths don't really kind of sit in that area. So you start to kind of have that awareness. So we're sort of adding an extra layer here, I think, on self-awareness. And then also starting to really personalize this and to kind of go, what does a learning agility look like for me? How do I sort of accelerate my own agility? Because again, otherwise, I think you can get into like a bit of a tick box exercise of being like, oh, I do that, but I don't do that. But you really want to make this work for you and your sort of squiggle. I was thinking when you were talking there about those new situations and almost like there's like a learning scale that's going on here. And on one end, so you've got this new situation, probably feels a bit scary. You've not done it before. An overwhelming amount of factors at play. On one side of the scale, you've kind of got learning atrophy, which is sort of where you're freezing a bit. You're losing the learning because all that overwhelming stuff is happening in your brain. And at the other end of the scale, you've got the thing that we're aiming for, learning agility, where you are, you know, you're proactively looking for the learning and you're going, okay, this feels hard and difficult and I don't know if I can do it, but there is definitely some learning in here. And I think what this approach that Sarah's talking to, it helps you to capture that learning because otherwise you're going through that situation, you're not looking for it and you're losing it. And that's such a waste. But if we can get more into the habit of spotting those new situations, proactively looking for the learning and capturing it, then we're feeding that learning agility all the time. And we recognise that when we reflected on both of us and also our organisations, because I think organisations have levels of learning agility, we are very good at learning fast. I think probably because we're both pretty pacey and naturally we have that framing to probably be like, right, we're always trying to learn and get better. The second part of that, which is writing it down, is the bit that we are not very good at. So we're really good at learning in the moment. We're good at doing it together and we get that that helps us. But we potentially risk losing the learning and not getting smarter as we go because we sort of need to come up with a system of going well, where does that go so that's next on our list everybody our biggest even better if our combined even better if from this yeah, episode I that think we never write anything down log the learning take yeah. that away <laughs> So hopefully you have found this useful episode all around learning agility, perhaps a bit of a new topic, a way that you've not thought about learning before, but given all the situations we're in, hopefully something you find relevant and useful too. As we said at the start, we'll summarise the easy actions, the hard actions in the pod sheet. That'll be on our website, amazingif.com, linked in the show notes, or just email us, Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com if you're struggling to find any of that stuff. But that's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. Thank you.